Hello, this is the Unspoken Life of the Military Wife podcast. I'm your host, Allison. I'm a wife and mom of two little girls and two fur babies and a 20-year mill spouse veteran. So you know I have seen some things. This podcast is about creating connection and community while we navigate this crazy military life. Each week, I'll bring you practical tips and tactics, like how exactly do I pack out my house? What do I say to my kids when they're crying because daddy is gone again? And how do I make it through a deployment without losing my mind? And how the heck do I find and keep a job when we move every two to three years? We're gonna get into all the things. Look, I've seen and done a lot, but I don't have all the answers. So this isn't a look at me, I have it all figured out podcast. It's a come with me and we can figure it out together podcast. The military lifestyle is often very lonely and isolating. So let's build a community that moves with you wherever you go. Welcome to the unspoken life of the military wife. Today we are doing a mill spouse spotlight episode and we're going to be talking to Danny Spieler. I said that right. Yes. Okay. (laughs) And I came across Danny on Instagram because she posted a picture from being in the cast of Chicago on Broadway. And I was like, oh my God, how how did that happen? How can you get male spouse and be on a Broadway show? And I'm like a Broadway nerd. So I was so excited about hearing about all of that stuff. So she graciously agreed to be on the show and share what her career has looked like because you came into the military after you had already established your career. So I'm curious how that whole transition went down. And so we'll just dive into it. So Danny, welcome to the show. And I would love if you would start off with your military life. What does that look like for you so far? Sure. Sure. And thanks for having me. My husband, who was my boyfriend for many years before he was my husband, while we were dating, went to law school at night and he was working in New York City and then went to law school. And as he was graduating law school, he said, I'm going to apply to the Navy JAG Corps and we'll see what happens. And lo and behold, he got it on the first try. And I was very shocked because we're both in our mid-30s. This was not really a life that I envisioned for myself. And we've lived in New York our entire relationship. And I've lived in New York since I graduated college. And he got selected to join the JAG Corps. He went to all the training you have to do before you actually start. And then we moved to Hawaii, which of course, (laughs) you know, everyone I knew in New York was like, oh, you're just going to move to Hawaii casually. All the places to go, we got Hawaii. And we were like, wow, well, that's very different. Especially we're both from the Northeast. All of our families in the Northeast, everyone we know is on the East Coast. So that was a big um, change. But we moved to Hawaii in October of 2019, which was 10 days after our wedding. So that was a big whirlwind of a time in my life. Oh my word. That's a lot. That's a lot of yeah. big things at one time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he was at Naval Justice School leading up to our wedding. Literally, we met at our wedding venue, which was in upstate New York. I drove up on my own and he drove there from Naval Justice School. <laughs> Oh my God. And then we came back and packed up our life and moved to Hawaii. Had our first, you know, household goods move, which was, of course, a treat, as they always are. And that's an interesting first household <laughs> goods move because going to Hawaii, that's a whole different ballgame than putting your stuff on a truck and driving it to the next location. Absolutely. Yeah. It took a solid two months for our stuff to get there. So that was interesting. But yeah, so we moved to Hawaii and 
the plan had actually been for me to, we were going to be long distance. I moved with him right before the holidays. I was going to stay through the holidays. And then in January of 2020, I came back to New York to continue auditioning and doing stuff for my career, which we'll talk about in a minute, I'm sure. And then rumblings of COVID started happening. And I had planned to go back to visit him. I had a flight on March 10th of 2020. Uh-huh. And I, the bottom fell out. <laughs> yeah, I like, got a makeshift mask, one of those ones you would pull up over your face, and got on a flight with one suitcase, and I didn't come back for over a year. <laughs> oh my word. So then I really did have this military spouse life, but I wasn't really supposed to have that. We were going to be long distance. I was going to keep living my life, and he was going to live in Hawaii, and we were going to, you know, see each other as often as we could. Yeah. Um, How long was his tour supposed to be there for in Hawaii? Two years. Two years. Okay. So that's, I mean, it's not ideal, but it's, I feel like, and that's something that we'll talk about in a little bit too, is when you already have an established career and and being an actor and what you do, you're kind of, you know, restricted to where you can be and where is the best place to be for your career. So I think that's a choice that sometimes you get put in that position for. For sure. Well, my my career has always been a priority for me. And, you know, I know we'll, we'll get there, but it, it's always been something that I've been very passionate about. So the idea that my partner found something that he was equally passionate about, who was I to say, oh, well, you can't do that, you know? And we both came into our relationship understanding that we were really passionate about what we wanted to do. Yeah. And so I think we both understood, okay, he's gonna apply to the Navy. He's gonna, he got in. And it actually, at first I was begging him to, cause in the JAG Corps, you get to rank your top like nine spots you want, you would sure. prefer to go to. Yeah. And I was like, well, let's put Groton, let's put DC, let's put Chicago. Let's yeah. try to be in an area where I can work. Yeah. And we thought about that. And then he was kind of like, you know, I don't want to regret not putting Hawaii or Italy or all these amazing places that he wanted to live. Yeah. And so we flipped the idea in its head and we're like, you know what? Yeah. Let's put those those spots and see what happens. Yeah. And then of course he got Hawaii and we were yeah. like, <laughs> oh no, it happened. Darn it. <laughs> but actually it turned out to be so amazing because I never in a million years would have lived in Hawaii for two years. And oh, I, yes. I mean, I'm, I miss it so much. I fell so in love with the islands and yeah. you know, we, because of COVID, we were really stuck there. We really got to explore and we're very outdoorsy. We got mm-hmm. a kayak and paddle boards and, you know, went hiking all the time and got to go to all the other islands. So I feel like I never would have had that experience ever in the box that I saw from my life of I have to live in New York City forever. Right. You know, so right. it was really like kind of a blessing in disguise. Not not that COVID, you know, of course, no. like I wish COVID right. never happened. You had to find the silver linings where you can find them. Exactly. <laughs> but the fact that it did happen you know, I would, I wasn't supposed to really be there. So that was a blessing in disguise. And then now we are in the process. We've just relocated to our second duty station. We're now in Connecticut, currently not in my house. We're buying a home. Our household goods are still floating on the ocean somewhere. Oh you know, my gosh. So very much still in transition right now. And how long is he supposed, is his tour there two years as well? Is that two kind years? Of yeah. Jags, I think are like always two years. Oh, wow. So I'm just curious, and and I mean, you don't have to go in and give any information that you're not comfortable giving, but why, what, what made your husband want to go into the JAG core after finishing law school? Cause I, cause I, I'm, it, just in my head, I'm thinking if you know, you want to go to law school and you're thinking about the military, would you not go in the military first that they would pay for law school? Right. right? You know, so I'm like, well, I was just curious how that, how that came about. 
Yeah, you know, I think, I mean, we've been together coming up on nine years now. When we yeah. first started dating, he was like, you know, I don't always envision my life in New York City. I'm, I'm very interested in maybe joining the JAG Corps. And I was like, cool, cool, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. Don't put the car before the horse. And I guess like he always just thought about it, but it never really was an actualized thing that could happen. Okay. Um, he was working for the Department of Investigation in New York City. He was a criminal justice guy. And then went to law school part-time okay. at night while still working. So I don't know. I think there wasn't really an option to be, let me leave my job, join the military, then go to law school. You know, it just kind yeah. of happened right. in an organic way. And then he was like, I'm going to apply. And if not, I'll do something else, but I'm going to apply. And yeah. of so course he got it on the first try. And we were yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> well, maybe it was meant to be, right? Maybe yeah. it was meant to be. He really was interested in the travel and the experience of living in different places. It kind of sounds like that's kind of his jam. Yeah, for sure. He's very adventurous. He's made me much more adventurous than I ever was. Yeah. Well, that's good. Usually you match up with your, your yin and your yang, right? Usually yeah. you match up with someone that's going to push you a little bit, maybe where, where you're Absolutely. not quite as comfortable. Like our it. first hike in Hawaii, not I guess our second hike in Hawaii, I'm like, do I have to use my hands? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's, that's how it goes. <laughs> and now I have my hiking boots and my hiking backpack and my poles. I'm very into it now, but yeah, yeah. that's yeah. hilarious. They're not all that way though. No. <laughs> you don't necessarily no. have to scramble on all hikes, but in Hawaii, there is a lot of spots where you have to, I remember probably one of the most nerve wracking hikes and I cannot remember what it was now, but we were, cause so my husband's Navy, and whenever when all of his ships were out of San Diego and whenever you go on deployment out of San Diego, you stop in Hawaii on the way out and on the way back in. So oh, there okay. were quite a few trips to Hawaii nice. uh, while, he was, yeah, while he was in. And I remember one of our hikes there, and I cannot remember what the name of the hike was, but oh my God, you get to the point of this and you're on this knife's edge on this yeah. road. I'm like, oh my God, this is, I remember, I still feel a little panicky. Yeah, lots of those, lots yeah, of those. Yeah, there's a lot of those there. Which that's, that's, yeah, that's funny. I would love to hear your career. Have you always wanted to, to be an actor? What did that look like going to school and then all of how that progressed for yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, going back to the beginning for a second, I guess. I started yeah. dancing when I was four. That was yeah. what I did. And then somewhere in there, my parents were like, oh, she's, pretty good. And I went to a summer performing arts camp called Frenchwoods Festival of the Performing Arts. And I would do all these shows. And then my parents, okay, do you want voice lessons? Do you want acting class? And somewhere in there, I think when I was around 14 or 15, I was like, this is what I want to do. I, I can't not go for this. So I went to school for musical theater at the University of Michigan, go blue, um, <laughs> which is one of the top programs in the country. And then I moved to New York from right out of college. And within my first year, I was on Broadway in Legally Blonde, which was Amazing. <laughs> so cool. I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah. At first, like, I, you know, being on Broadway right out of school, was, this is amazing. Yeah, I'm going to do this forever. <laughs> and then, like, that closed and I didn't get a job for a year. It's just, it's a roller coaster of you're working and then you're not working. But, but so on Broadway, I've done Legally Blonde, Chicago, Cats, and A Bronx Tale. And then I've also done the national tours of West Side Story, Flashdance, Elf, and Cabaret with other little regional things peppered in there and little film and TV things throughout. Yeah. But, I mean, mostly I'm a Broadway girl. I've been musical theater from the jump. I love that. Yeah. That's so, <laughs> I'm so jealous. That's like the best <laughs> thing ever. Okay. So you kind of already touched on this a little bit. So you have your career 
in musical theater and you're on Broadway and that's cyclical, right? You just said sometimes you work and then the show closes and then it's not always a steady paycheck, which is tough. A lot of hustle. Yeah. A lot of hustle. A lot of, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of hustle and a lot of grit because you get told you audition, 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 audition. And I mean, yes. you probably make more, don't make more than you make. And for the one yes, when you book the job, there's yeah. probably, you know, 30 no's before that. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. And then, and again, not, you know, not trying to get super specific, but the pay for, for being an actor on a Broadway show, is that a livable wage? What is the spectrum of pay for that? If you're working, okay. you are making a decent salary. Okay. Like, but my first, I remember my first year I was in a show for like six months and like looking at my, doing my taxes, I was like, wow, I was doing this all the time. I would make a lot of money. But yeah. the thing is, you're not doing it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so sometimes so you try to, I remember my first show closed, when Legally Blonde closed, I was like, wait, why do I have no money? And it's because I was just like, oh, I'm making money. I'm spending it. And then, of course, yeah. you know, you're 22 and you realize, oh, I have to put some of it yeah, away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Save that. Yeah. So that, well, I guess that's something that you just figure out as you go along the yeah. hard way, right? Oh, shoot. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, I got to figure that one out. So then you're doing shows and then you're with your now husband at that point and you're working and you're doing your thing and he's doing his thing. And then he's, hey, I'm going to go into the Jag Corps. And you're, you decided that you're going to, that he's going to go. He gets, he gets assigned to Hawaii. You're going to stay in New York while he goes to Hawaii and just see each other as much as you can. And then COVID had other plans. Yeah. We ended up staying in Hawaii. What did that look, what did your career look like during that time? Well, so first of all, just to explain the thought process a little bit, I'm primarily a dancer. Most of the shows I've done are dance shows. I mean, of course you have to sing and act as well, but I'm a dancer first, I would say. And there's really a finite timeline on that. Most people aren't dancing on Broadway in their 40s, right? I mean, most people aren't even dancing on Broadway in their late 30s, but it's really, you know, you. when I went to college, I never thought, oh, I have 10 to 15 years and that's it. You think, yeah, I'm gonna do it and then one day I'll do something else. Right. And so when we were looking at, oh, we're moving to Hawaii, I guess at that time I had, I, I had just turned 34. Okay. And I was like, the idea of walking away at 34, when I know, even if even if we do come back to the East Coast, I'll have missed those two of the maybe last few years of my dancing career. Yeah, I wasn't ready to just walk away from something that had been such a part of my identity for so long, you know? So that's kind of why we were like, okay, let's do long distance and see what happens. Yeah. And then actually, when we first got out to Hawaii, there's this thing they do called the Aloha Academy. That's okay. for new people in Hawaii. Okay. And it's really for the sailors. Oh, but, I was going to say, is that a mili- is it a military thing or it's not a military thing? It's a no, whole- it's a military thing. Oh, it is a military thing. Okay. Okay. There was like a, a chief running it okay. and it's for the sailors. Okay. But you know, my husband and I are both so green as far as Navy life goes sure. that he, and I didn't have anything to do when we first got there. So he was like, do you want to come? And I was like, okay. And it was three days worth. And the chief who was running it was talking about how they filmed the movie Midway in Hawaii. And he was, oh, I was an extra. And then a lot of people were an extra in this other movie. And my daughter has an agent. And I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> what's happening? I know. And, and I went up to him on a break, which of course my husband was like, ah, oh, you're yeah. talking to the chief. <laughs> like you're not even supposed to be here. And I was like, hi, excuse me, sir. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Your daughter has an agent. Who is she? Because in New York, I have an agent, but my New York agent doesn't know anything about Hawaii. Oh, well, yeah, right. And so I, I can't come to realize that there's a huge film and TV industry in Hawaii. Yeah. And the film and TV industry and the Broadway industry are 
pretty different. If you, just because you have a ton of Broadway credits does not mean in New York City or in LA that the casting people in film and TV are interested in you at all. It's a very different world. Mm -hmm. So I haven't really done much film and TV in New York, but I was like, wow, if I could like get in on this in yeah. Hawaii and then go back to New York with some credits, that would be great. Yeah. So I ended up reaching out to a few agents in Hawaii and being like, hi, I just came, I have all these Broadway credits, whatever. And I signed with one and I ended up being on Magnum PI, which was very fun. That's awesome. <laughs> but anyway, so then COVID happened. So obviously a lot of things shut down. shut down. I came back to Hawaii, everything shut down and nobody in my industry was working. I mean, yeah. everybody was unemployed and it was really crazy. I felt very fortunate to have a spouse with a steady job. I mean, yeah. I know so many couples who are both actors who they were just suddenly yeah. without income, without health insurance, just what do we do? You know, right. we have these insanely expensive apartments in New York City, you know, sure. so I was yeah. very lucky that I had Hawaii to escape to. <laughs> and of course, everyone I know is constantly on Instagram being like, you win the pandemic. No, your Instagram feed has all these beautiful Hawaii pictures. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but in a way, because I had gone out to Hawaii with him in October and then I stayed through the holidays and I came back in January. And those like first two to three months out there, I was not happy. I was not settled. I felt like, oh, I'm missing so much in New York. Everyone's going to forget about me in the business. I'm going to be irrelevant. And before the pandemic in the theater business, if you had an outside career or if you lived outside of New York, it was frowned upon. People thought you had one foot out the door. Yeah. And so I know so many people who have side hustles, side businesses, that they kept a secret because they yeah. didn't want people in the business to think, oh, you do that, you yeah. know? You're not really um, serious about this because you're you're dabbling in something else. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. And I even remember coming back to New York, one of my first auditions in that window before COVID hit, one of the directors behind the table was like, do you live in Hawaii? Is that, I saw on your Instagram, do you live in Hawaii now? And I was like, oh yeah, but I'm here. I I'm in New York. I really had to put it under the, the rug, you know? So coming back when then COVID hit really freed me to enjoy Hawaii and enjoy my newlywed life and seeing another world that, I, you know, I, I had been in the theater industry for, I guess, 12 years at that point. And my life was in New York City, blinders. I'm doing theater, that's it. Uh -huh. And it really opened me up to like, see what else is out there and all these other lives that people are living that right. I didn't know existed, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, right. It really is. New York City is a bubble. It's like a nation in and of itself almost, you know what I mean? That's a really good point, though, that you brought up with the with the theater industry specifically is that there is that stigma of, are you here? Are you? And then, like you said, you also have a very, it's a, it's a small window, right? Of, yeah of your career in that time. Then as it comes into him selecting orders for the next space, what did that look like for you then? Did you prioritize trying to get back into the Northeast or? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, yeah. you know, we were kind of like, okay, what is the closest we can get to New York? You know, yeah. or, I mean, there are some other cities that do have a big theater community. DC has a good theater community. Chicago has one. So it was kind of like, okay, how can we get to one of these places? Yeah and have a good like career move for him right you know yeah. so luckily there was a spot in you know connecticut that made sense uh -huh. for him and then for me and so you know now i'm just an amtrak right away yeah i've already like been into the city like twice since we got back you know? right <laughs> yeah it is it's a quick ride it's a it's like yeah. an hour it's like an hour ride down into the city from up into yeah. up from up oh into well and then what you were saying at the beginning about seeing on my instagram yeah so when i had done chicago on broadway 
which is now almost five years ago. Oh, wow. Um, I did what's called uh, vacation swinging, which basically means you come in when someone's injured or someone takes a vacation and you know all the parts. And I cover, I understudied six different women and you oh, come wow. in at a drop of a hat or like, okay, we need you to do this one tonight. Someone got injured or whatever. Uh-huh. And I, the, Omicron variant had been spreading through New York City in December, and all these Broadway shows were either canceling performances or calling in alumni that had done the show before. And so I was lucky enough to end up getting the call to come back into Chicago after not having done it for five years and having not been on stage for two and a half years because of COVID. Yeah. That was a crazy whirlwind to just go, and you're back on Broadway. Huh. Hello, here we go. <laughs> right. Yeah. You got you to gotta be, gotta be ready at, at the drop of a hat. The yeah, of the eye. yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so then what is your, because you had already brought up, it's a small window where you can be a dancer. You don't see a lot of, you know older and I don't even know god what would you consider older I don't know what that what that is but like there is an age kind of right especially for Broadway shows and stuff so what where where is your career tracking now well I mean I'm still hoping to do you know a couple more Broadway gigs I one of my big dreams that I haven't checked off the bucket list is to be in an original company to have that opening night and you know be on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and all those things. I've been in a lot of shows, but I've always come into something that was already running and uh, replaced somebody. Okay. So it would still be really nice to get to do, do that. the whole thing from the get go. And I still, you know, during the pandemic, I definitely was still working out and taking whatever sort of virtual dance class I could to still maintain my shape and stamina and all that stuff um when i went into chicago i guess three weeks ago now it was is this all still working i I need to and it did so i mean i was very sore but so that's all still there so i'm like okay so i've got some time on that and then i mean doing magnum when i was in hawaii really opened my eyes to like oh film and tv is actually pretty fun too and i always you know a lot of people as they're coming up in the business really try to diversify and well i'm going to do film and tv and i'm going to do theater and i just loved dancing so much that I want to focus all my attention on that until I can't and then I'll pivot. And so I, I feel like I'm coming, approaching that point where I might pivot, but you know, and a lot of people teach or choreograph, I'm not really sure exactly what, what the vision is yet, but right now the goal is just to like stay you in shape. On shows. Yeah. Yeah. Based yeah. yeah. <laughs> on what you have. I'm curious then, cause as you came into, you dove in and I really appreciated what you said when your husband for, and you guys first got to Hawaii, that you just felt really disconnected and in a little bit of a weird spot though, because you knew you were going to go back to New York. And so it was almost like, you don't want to integrate here because you know, you're going back here. So there, so that puts you in a really weird spot, but I'd be really curious to hear what your experience has been as a mill spouse and some of the little, the rougher areas or things that took you by surprise coming into a military career. Well, I mean, I've always, I'm super type A. I'm very organized and in control and especially having such a, hard career i've been so just driven and focused and not i don't want to say me first but just this is what i need to do to be successful and i need to do these things and Mm -hmm. then like you know i met my husband and we were doing our things to be successful together right and we were both thriving and that was great and then we got to hawaii and i instantly and he took our rental car and went to check in for his first day in his whites and he was so adorable (laughs) and he like goes to check in and i'm like oh i'm stuck in the Navy Lodge, which I mean, 
My, we got married and we go, we show up at the Navy Lodge, which it was the Hawaii Navy Lodge is not the best. And my husband jokingly was like, happy honeymoon. I know, right? <laughs> We're in Hawaii. That's all I got for you. The conversation yeah, is not where they should be, right? But so that first week, I just felt very like stuck. I'm in this hotel. I don't have a car. I don't know anyone. I can't even, we hadn't gotten groceries yet and I can't even get lunch delivered because nobody can come on the base. I just was such a fish out of water. Yeah. And it was really crazy. And my husband and I, we never fight about anything. And we, I finally was like, we have to go to the grocery store. And we're in the commissary and had one of the first real fights of our relationship that was over nothing. I was just like, well, what do you want to eat for lunch? And he's yeah. like, I don't know. It's never about the lunch. It's always, exactly. like, you know, it's never about that thing. It's always something else, but yeah, exactly. something tips it over the edge. <laughs> and I was just like, I feel like I don't know what's going on. And he was like, I don't either. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. was brand new too. And he's, yeah, of course. he's working off the information he's getting, which like right. a lot of people, in the JAG Corps, there are a lot of priors, and I think people who've been in service before they joined the JAG Corps, yeah. and I think a lot of people just assume you know everything about the Navy, and he was like, I don't know anything about the Navy, right. like, you know, what I learned in boot camp or whatever, and so I feel like we were both very, what do we do? How do we do this? I listened to some of your podcast episodes, and you're talking about, how do I do healthcare? How do I meet people? Yeah. How do I find a house? All right. these things. And, right. you know, living in New York City, I've just been so in control of everything. And I've been doing it for 12 years. And I knew how to do all those things. Sure. And so I very much felt really out of control, yeah. which I didn't like at all. And a little bit, what is my purpose here? What is my function besides cooking my husband dinner and making sure the house is clean, yeah. which is great and fine, but had never been me. Yes. I guess and that. so I felt really crazy those first couple months. I was just like what am I doing here? You know, and of course I love my husband so much, and, right. but I just very much felt like, almost like I shouldn't be here because of my career. I was just, I've got to get back to New York. I've got to get back to New York. So that was really tough. It was a really tough transition. And we really didn't know that many people or a lot of the people that we would meet, you know, had a couple kids, which I didn't have or yeah. people, I mean, there's one girl I was going out to lunch with and she was super sweet, but she knew I was leaving in two months. Maybe that connection wasn't like, she wasn't really trying to form that connection because I was leaving, you know? Right. So like you said, I was very one foot in, one foot out. Right. And it was really hard. Yeah. And then, but then when I came back, of course, COVID hit, so we had nobody to socialize with. Sure. Uh, yeah, right there. <laughs> you took that off the table, so that yeah. makes it a little bit easier. You're not missing yeah. out on anything because, right. yeah. But at least at that point, he was working from home, and we were both in it together a little bit more, sure. you know, and there was there was nowhere else I needed to be in yes. my mind at that point. Yeah. And so it really freed me to be like, okay, what is this life? And, you know, this is actually really fun, and I'm in Hawaii of all places. How fortunate I was to be able to go to the beach and sit outside. Yeah even when everybody was locked down, you know? Right. I, I love that. And I appreciate you sharing that because I think that a lot of military spouses struggle with their own identity inside of a military marriage Definitely. because, and especially when you come from your situation where you got married a little bit later and you already had this established career and you know that there's a finish line for this career and you want to be doing this thing, but you also want to be here in this relationship and, and then you're there and then you're like, but I want to, and then he's gone and what are you supposed to do? And that whole struggle, I feel yeah. like we go through a lot. I go through it almost every time we move. Cause I'm like, great. I'm here in Denver 
and my husband's not here and I know nobody and I'm, I've got my eight and my nine year old. Woe is me, right? We have those moments where it's like, and I can't work because my girls aren't in school and I, who's going to take care of them and you know, and it's, and that mental struggle is really hard for military spouses. And I think that we need to talk about it more. And I think that we need to be, I think we need to be okay. And I don't even want to say that it's selfish, but, but being mindful of what you need, right? So, and and what you want and how can we make, instead of saying, I can't do this because of whatever, how can we make this work? Right. So maybe it's not ideal for your husband to be in Hawaii and for you to be in New York, but this is where we are right now. And this is the best choice right now. And I think giving yourself that grace and that latitude and just try to have that communication because you guys got in your, your little argument in the commissary and and, and (laughs) it's hard to know the military members perspective as well. Right. Because Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was so eye opening. And he right. was like, I don't know either. Uh, right. well, I don't know because he's in a weird spot too. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he's, he doesn't know what he's doing and he's at a new job and, and right. now he's, and there's like all these, like probably a lot of pressure. I would think right. he's feeling, sure. you know, yeah. so there's all these, and then trying to navigate that together. It's not easy, right? No. It's, it's really hard. It's really hard for sure. So then, so when you guys were in Hawaii, how long did you guys have to live in the Navy lodge before? And did you get a house? Did you live in house? Yeah, so we, we rented in, um, an area called Kailua, which I don't know it, for those of you who are listening who've been to Hawaii, you know, it's just the best. Oh my gosh, Kailua. I love it so much. But we were in the Navy Lodge for like three weeks, Okay, I think, and just kind of started looking at places right away. I mean, Hawaii is so expensive to buy in unless you live in Eva Beach, which even then it's still very expensive. But so we were just like, let's just rent. And we ended up living on a lake and having the sunset view every night. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. So yeah. I went like, back to the beach. So we were in the Navy Lodge for three weeks and then we found that. And now then coming here... We knew, okay, we're not going to have our household goods for another two months because they take so long to come from Hawaii, plus whatever shipping delays are happening right now. So we were like, okay, let's get an Airbnb so we at least have stuff. And and Great idea. That's a great idea. So so did you keep your place in New York the whole time that you were in Hawaii, or did you eventually get rid of your apartment in New York and... No, I've had I've had a storage unit just growing oh. dirt and growing okay. dust in yeah. Hawaii, in the New York City this whole time. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, that's yeah. at least you weren't paying for an apartment that you weren't staying in. Yes, I mean, and honestly, my this is the best one of the best things my husband ever did. When I went back in January of 2020, I was like, I'm going to get a studio. Which a studio in New York City is minimum two thousand dollars a month. They're so expensive. Yeah. And, and at the time, my parents were uh, living not too far out of the city. And he was like, why don't you just stay with your parents and not get an apartment right away? And I was like, well, I don't really want to go move back in with my parents. I know. Like, you know, whatever. Right. And he was like, well, let's just wait and see. Just go with them for a minute and see. And thank God he did, because if I had signed a lease March 1st of 2020, <laughs> Oh my <laughs> had an apartment to pay for that entire time. Yeah, <laughs> would that would have been a nightmare. Isn't it so interesting when you yeah. look back on stuff and you're like, man, if that had happened just a little bit different, it yeah. would have been like completely changed so yeah. much stuff. That's <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, what a relief. Fortuitous. You guys are in this right now. So I'm just curious because there's a lot of military families that are struggling because the housing market is bananas pretty much across the nation. So how is, how have you guys been navigating the finding a place to live and all that other stuff? I mean, are you really running into a lot of issues with that? I'm just curious what your experience has been. 
So we're in contract on a house right now, but no, we, I mean, we've never owned before because in yeah. New York City, it's so expensive. It's a whole thing. It's, uh -huh. it's a very different thing in New York City. So we had like never owned before. And I know a lot of people in the military will buy a home before they get to the new place or sure. have a broker do a video walkthrough. Right. And we were like, we can't do that. We're, we just don't feel comfortable doing that. Sure. So we had planned two months of Airbnb to stay in. And we got here right before the holidays and hit the ground running. I think we saw 23 places, oh, wow. both either to buy or to rent because we were open to that. And you're right. Yeah. Everything is so inflated right now. I mean, yeah. there was one place that we really liked by the base that we put in an offer on and there were 11 offers. And we were over asking too, but we were not as over asking as right. the whole house. It's just, yeah. it's a, it's a nightmare and, it, and it's been really hard. And then the other part of it too, it's the, the wait list for housing is like a year long yeah. and it's like, what in the world are we supposed to do? And then the other part of that too, is that you're technically not supposed to secure housing until you have orders. And a yeah. lot of people aren't getting orders until they're five to six weeks out from their yeah. PRD. And then what the heck are you going to find then? You know, yeah, so I think our orders were like less than two months. Yeah. And that's yeah. typically how it is. And, and I think in years past that, you know, that's okay. But in the market that we're in right now, like that's, yeah. it's, it's not, you can't do that. And then the other part too, that was interesting watching, cause we trans, so we moved here to Denver from Seattle and the Seattle area is just absolutely bananas. I mean, the house we rented while we were there because we thought we were going to get short cycled, which of course we didn't. The one time we say somewhere for three years <laughs> we're renting, but the house that we were renting went up in value $150,000 in the three years that we were there. Just incredible. I mean, just absolutely astronomical. And then when we moved, when we were moving out of our house, another military family moved into our house three months, three months after we left. So they were paying rent on that house because there's nothing. So as soon as something comes on and you know, you're going, then you're, so then you're paying rent, even though you're not there because there's nothing available. You have to get whatever you can get. It's yeah, just, sure. it's such a, it's such a hard situation. It's, it's a hard situation, but I think, it, but again, I think it's stuff that we need to talk about, right? Because yeah. this is like one of the things that's really challenging as a military family, you know? Yeah. For I mean, sure. and we're lucky that we don't have kids or pets that we're putting through this. It's just right. the two of us being like, okay. Yeah. I mean, we've moved since we got here, we, we were in a hotel, then we moved to this Airbnb, we're moving to another Airbnb and then hopefully moving into our house. So we'll have moved four times right. in the two months since we got here. Yeah. I'm like, I can't imagine if we had two kids, kids and two dogs. dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, that's true. When you start adding all the, I know, because I think about, I'm like, man, when my husband was attached to ships and deploying all the time, it was just me. So I was like, you know, it wasn't fun, but it was so much easier than yeah. when you have when you have kids and dogs, well, we had dogs then too, but like, it's, yeah, it definitely adds a whole nother level of stress to it for sure. If you could say the best uh, advice that you've gotten so far as a military spouse, as a new military spouse, what, what would the best advice you've gotten be? I think it's like that there's no one way to be a military spouse. You know, I came into here into this life thinking, oh, I'm so different than everyone. I'm so much older. I don't have kids. I had all these stereotypes in my head of like what a military spouse was. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, I'm not like, oh, I'm special, but just like, oh, I'm not like them. 
Right. I realized that there are so many different ways to be a military spouse. Yes. And that whatever way you're doing it is the right way for you. 100%. That's beautiful. I think that that is so perfectly said. And I that is one of the things that I've enjoyed so much since I started this podcast and talking to so many mill spouses. If there's so many different things that you can do and little caveats and pivots and things like that. And I just, I find it fascinating how other people are navigating their military career. And, and I think that that is, I think that's perfect that you do what works best for you and for your family. And that's, that's it. Danny Spiller, Broadway actress, and also military spouse, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Right. (laughs) Yeah. There's that. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Well, I, man, I really enjoyed talking to you and hearing about your career. And I'm sure that other military spouses are going to be like, Oh my God, (laughs) I applaud you for um, just being so passionate in the pursuit of what makes you happy and your career, and then trying to make everything or fit everything into that together. I think that that is just beautiful. It doesn't have to be a, I'm going to do this and you're going to do this. Well, I can't do this because of this. I love that synergy of why can't, can't, let's figure out how to make this happen yeah. for everybody. Well, thanks. I mean, it also helps that my husband is very supportive as yeah, well. You know for I mean? sure. A hundred percent. He definitely 100%. could have been like, no, you're moving to Hawaii. And yeah. why would you not want to do that? But you right. know, he's, he's very supportive of, you know, me and my dreams. And, you know, he met me where I was and knew that was part of what he was getting as well. So. Yeah. I, I think that that, I love that. That makes me very happy to hear because I, I have a similar relationship with my husband where it's like, this is what I want to do. And he's like, okay, well, how can I support this? All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I appreciate it. And I can't wait to see, I'll keep following you on Instagram and see what else you might. I hope you find yourself in an original company. I think that that would be a cherry on top of your career Sunday. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Of course. He's very supportive of you know, me and my dreams. And, you know, he met me where I was and knew that was part of what he was getting as well. So. Yeah. I I think that that, I love that. That makes me very happy to hear because I, I have a similar relationship with my husband where it's like, this is what I want to do. And he's like, okay, well, how can I support this? All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I appreciate it. And I can't wait to see, I'll keep following you on Instagram and see what else you might, I hope you find yourself in an original company. I think that that would be a cherry on top of your career Sunday. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love and appreciate if you would leave a rating and a review. If you know of someone that you think would be helped by this podcast, I would love for you to share it in your community so we can get as many mill spouses in here as possible. I would love to hear any ideas or guests or topics that you would like to have on the show. Please feel free to email me at the podcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for more connection, join us in our Facebook group, which is The Mill Spouse Podcast on Facebook.